Conversations. Hello, this is Darwa here. Welcome back to another episode of Med Conversations. I bet you missed us. It's <laughs> n- now a podcast full of post-exam... I mean, most of you probably thought we were already past Yeah, probably stage. thought we were consultants, but yeah. no, it takes a while. <laughs> um, but everyone has now passed their exams. Congratulations yeah. to Rahul and Scott. Done. Yeah. Uh, look, we could promise that we'll do more of these now. Mm, we could we can we make could, all sorts of promises. We we're good at that. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Is that what you want to hear? Maybe we will. <laughs> I promise to do more of them. All right, so we're going to do another episode on epilepsy now. Because <laughs> what, a, what a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> because that's what I'm currently on, and it's awesome and super interesting. And I think there's probably a few things that I uh, haven't quite made it from from the chambers of the International League Against Epilepsy to the, <laughs> the, to the wider masses. Secret headquarters of yeah, the ILA. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some, some confusing new definitions and things and how we think about epilepsy ever since the landmark paper in 2017. Mm. Um, that I think it's probably worth talking about. Where were you when that paper was published? <laughs> I know where I was. Bathroom, was, yeah. I was in there a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's start off with some epilepsy definitions. So maybe mm. a conceptual abstract, you know, somewhere. Yeah, the, the, this is the type of definition that you will only ever read, write, or think about in a paper. Mm. Uh, very academic type of thing, but it's worth saying anyway. So epilepsy is a disorder of the brain characterized by enduring predisposition to generate epileptic seizures and by neurobiologic cognitive, psychological, and social consequences of this condition. Need at least one epileptic seizure. Full I, like, stop. I like the tag on yeah, uh, that, that non sequitur at the end. Yeah, <laughs> um, like, you know, there's just one guy in the ILA who's yeah, like, oh. my God, just head in hand, like <laughs> facing his hands the whole time. I was like, what are you guys on about? Can we at least just mention Say seizures in the definition of epilepsy? Is that all right? All right. Yeah, John's always like <laughs> things a bit alternatively. Um, all right, so, so what's a more practical definition? So this is what John, I don't know if it's John. Yeah. It's actually Ingrid Sheffer, who's um, uh, Professor Ingrid Sheffer, who's a very famous epileptologist at the Austin. So this is homegrown definition of epilepsy mm, right here. Smell the Australiana coming from mm, it. Mm, mm. So that more practical definition. So what what's your kind of layman's lay... Lay doctor. Well, I'm <laughs> I am the quintessential lay doctor. Uh, understanding uh, of what epilepsy is. So at least two unprovoked seizures. Yeah. About twenty four hours apart. That's what I always think of. Yeah, and that's um that is that is one of the definitions of epilepsy. So two unprovoked um seizures greater than twenty four hours apart. So it's worth picking that apart a little bit. So first of all, the greater than 24 hours apart is important because you get a lot of calls from ED saying, look, this person's had three seizures in the last kind of four hours. Do they have epilepsy? And not necessarily. We treat that all as the same cluster. And the unprovoked is interesting as well. So that means uh, provoked seizure means something like alcohol, drugs, uh, you know, hyponatremia, some kind of metabolic problem. Um, or, or some kind of medication. But it's kind of loosely defined. There's no yeah. hard definition of provoked. It seems yeah. to be a bit of a... And it's tricky because, because you know, most people, if they have four beers and don't sleep that much, won't have a seizure the next day. But some people do. And does that mean they have an underlying epilepsy or, or reduced seizure threshold? Mm. Probably. But they don't strictly meet mm. that definition. So that's definition one. At least two unprovoked seizures greater than 24 hours apart so the more mind-blowing definition of epilepsy that came in 2017 which uh 
is just one seizure, but where, you, where your chances of having another seizure are just as good as if you'd had two seizures, which is yeah. very practical and I think I sensible. always think of epilepsy as just a big, it's a, it's a probability field. You're really looking yeah, at probabilities. Yeah. There's an all life probability field. Ah, yeah, man. <laughs> anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so when you have two seizures, what you're essentially saying is this person has now a 60% yeah. risk of yeah. having a third seizure. Yeah, yeah. But some people, you can tell at the start that they have a 60% yeah, yeah. recurrence of from previous empirical evidence, you know that they have a 60% yeah, so what would the, what were the two main things you'd be looking for that would push people up to that 60%? For me, it would be an abnormal EEG or an abnormal MRI. With exactly a right. Lesion. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So once you've got that, you've got epilepsy. Okay. And then the third definition um, is a diagnosis of an epilepsy syndrome. So some people, uh, they may have uh, a certain type of seizure which fits with other kind of comorbidities. And you know that even though they've only had one seizure, that fits nicely into an epilepsy syndrome. And so therefore they have epilepsy. Mm. That's more common in peds, but um, uh, it certainly happens. Okay. So yeah, we spoke a little bit about the definition of a provoked seizure. Um and it's it's really hard to tell when someone has a truly provoked seizure or if it's unprovoked. And, yeah. You know, they're because usually even people with these sort of seizure syndromes will have they're not always seizing. There's some sort of trigger that leads them to have a sort of seizure. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a bit difficult, I guess. But it's a bit of a where the art of epilepsy comes in. Uh, it's certainly an art, let me tell you. Mm. Uh, so the other thing to mention about provoked is don't get confused with reflex epilepsy. So reflex epilepsy is that classic thing where you know you've seen the super flashing lights episode of Pokemon and you've had a seizure on the ground. Is that a provoked seizure? No, that's reflex epilepsy. Yeah, is that kind of rare? Photo very rare. Epilepsy? Yeah. Very rare. Very rare. Yeah. Feel free to watch as much Pokemon as you want. Mm. Um, all right, so the other definitions I wanted to run through was the definition of focal epilepsy and the definition of generalized epilepsy. So when I was uh, a smart-ass medical student, yeah, I, was a always, boy, a lad. <laughs> I was always like, is it all epilepsy really focal? Doesn't it all start somewhere? And like, that's probably technically true, mm. um, but there's still worthwhile making a distinction between the two. Um, and what is, the, what is the definition of focal versus generalized? So you've got to think about what the network itself is doing rather than the one point where the seizure starts. So seizures are an activated network of neurons. And if that network is just within one hemisphere, then that, that counts as a focal epilepsy. Oh, even if, in, even if starts, later on it becomes more starts in one half of the brain, yeah, that's yeah. focal. But if with generalized, it rapidly goes it, bilateral, which yes, yeah. there is, like your smart ass self was saying, there probably is some focal point, but the network goes across too. Yeah, very rapidly. So the network is rapidly engaged bilaterally distributed networks. The other way of thinking about it, I asked my consultant about this once and he gave this very philosophical philosophical answer where it's like, Davor, in a, in a traffic jam, you know, which car has caused the traffic jam? So his point was that it's a systems level problem rather than just a single point. Not a traffic jam caused by a massive car accident. Yeah, look, I said that and it was kind of the drunk dude who had a seizure on the road was the car that caused yeah, the traffic okay. jam. But. Well, that's focal epilepsy. Okay. Anyway, we're taking this too far. Okay, so this is a, there's a great... Uh, diagram, which I'm a, a very big, poor diagram, big fan not of, fan, which fan. Uh, Rahul does not like, but I'm a big fan of it. Um, and that's the ILAE 2017 framework and its different levels of diagnosis. Um, and so this is how, when you encounter someone with a seizure, you should it's good to go through these different steps, and then you'll get as as complete a picture of the patient as you can. So the very first question before we leap into the framework is what. Coming back to what we were just talking about, is the seizure folk, the seizure that you've come no, with? Is no. it a seizure? Is it a seizure? Boom. Correct. Correct. It's meta. <laughs> exactly. 
And like half the time it won't be. More than half the time, I swear. Mm. So definitely have an open mind. Is it a seizure? And just because someone said it was a seizure or it was an epilepsy and they've been treated for it for 20 years mm. does not mean it was ever an yeah, actual seizure. And just to quickly, those sort of seizure mimics are, you know, delirium, syncope, uh, psychogenic, yeah. non-epileptic seizures, yeah. just the other things to consider. I think we talked about that in the other podcast. Yeah. But yeah, always ask that question first. And then you've got your levels of diagnosis next. Um, so... Uh, the very first question is, what type of seizure is it? Is it focal? Is it generalized? Or do you not know? Mm. And it's very important to define your unknowns. A lot of the time you won't know. Don't force yourself into one box. But they're the three seizure types. So that's question one. Question two is what, Rahul? Uh, so then what's the broader type of epilepsy you're dealing with if you are dealing with epilepsy? So is there is it always focal epilepsy? Are they always having focal seizures? Is it always generalized? Do they sometimes have focal, sometimes have generalized? Or again, do you not know? Mm-hmm. And then the third level is, does this fit into an epilepsy syndrome? Does this pattern of seizures plus their comorbidities fit into a well-known epilepsy syndrome? We'll talk about some examples of that in a little while. Yeah, um, yeah. And definitely not, in fact, very few of the epilepsy patients you'll see will fit into an epilepsy syndrome, but it is, seems to... Would you agree with that, Davo? Yeah. Like a minority? I don't even know if that's true. All right, yeah. never mind. <laughs> Strike that from the record. Yeah. But, so the reason this diagram is great is because it has those three levels, and then next to them, it has these two things that you should be thinking about the whole time. This is the reason this, this is diagram the, is bad. This I is encourage you all to look at it. Of the diagram. <laughs> anyway, so the two things you should be thinking about all the way through this diagnostic process is number one, etiology. What's the cause? And there's six causes that you should be thinking about. Structural, genetic, infectious, metabolic, immune, or again, unknown. Mm. And And to go through those, so structural are obviously structural lesions in the brain. Uh, Genetic are underlying genetic predispositions, pretty simple. Infectious includes prior infections as well, or just only ongoing infections? Well, that's an interesting question. It could probably be both. Mm. So that leads us to an important point, is that you can fit into the two categories. So you could put under infectious, but you could also put it under structural, because presumably there's been some kind of structural damage. Mm. And then metabolic, it can be chronic metabolic problems um, associated with... Or like a mitochondrial issue. Mm. And again, that's often genetic as well. So you can have two there, like GLUT1 deficiency. Don't worry about what that is. And immune, so a lot of autoimmune Mm. uh, encephalitis encephalitides um, can cause seizures and then unknown of course yeah so just to make a few points about etiology uh, a lot of uh, lay people and lay doctors think that if you've got a lesion there, if you've got a big meningioma then that's not epilepsy it's definitely still epilepsy it's epilepsy with a structural cause Um, and then the other point I wanted to make about genetic um, was that you don't necessarily need to have a family history to have a genetic cause of epilepsy. A lot of these genetic syndromes are de novo mutations. And the other thing is you don't actually need to know the gene necessarily. So there's lots of epilepsy syndromes that are almost certainly um, genetic and we know that because of family pedigrees and stuff, but we don't know the gene. And within your specific patient, you might say, oh, well, this has been in the family for 500 years. It's probably genetic, but I don't know the gene. That's fine. Mm. Um, And then the final thing you've got to think all the way through holistic medicine, if you want to do well in your long cases like Rahul has done. (laughs) Possibly. Uh, (laughs) You've got to think about comorbidities the whole way through. And kind of the more fashionable way of thinking about epilepsy these days is that seizures are just one manifestation of epilepsy. It's not the whole. Um, You know, you've got problems with iron channels in your brain or structural problems, and that's going to cause all kinds of issues, not just uh, seizures necessarily. Yeah. Okay, so let's get a bit more, let's drill down a bit. 
to different types of focal seizures and generalized seizures. So coming back, you've answered that first question, this is a seizure. Now you're trying to work out what type of seizure this is. And there's a few broad categories, which some of you might know by old terms, like petite mal and grand mal, or even partial and um, generalized. But now Mm -hmm. the new terminology, the new first division is focal onset versus generalized onset versus unknown onset. That's right, yeah. And so say you've decided it is focal, what's the next kind of question you ask yourself? Were they aware or were they not aware during the focal onset? And that How do you tell? That's a tricky thing to tell. What is consciousness? That's when you just kind of... Yeah, yeah. I just (laughs) slap them around for a little bit and see if they try and stop me. Um, Which is, you know, that would be a legitimate way of answering the questions. There's kinder ways of doing that. You can just ask them a question. Mm. Um, And if they're able to give you a sensible answer, they're probably aware. And there's another way as well. Um, which you'll see EEG scientists all the time. If they're looking at the EEG and someone's having a seizure, they'll just start yelling out random animal names like bat, mm. cat, mouse, um, and then ask them later. And if mm. they remember them, you know, it's probably uh, intact awareness. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, so well, this is going down that focal onset tree again. So you had focal onset, then aware or impaired awareness. Now then you want to characterize, well, what was, you know, it's a focal onset. It's originated in some network in a brain. So then what were the symptoms of that? And they can be, varied um, and typically the next category to divide it is motor or non-motor so was it associated with some movement in some specific part of the body or was it non-motor was there more of a you know emotional problem was there a cognitive problem did something else happen and that helps you localize where the network for that focal seizure was and there's a long list of words that epileptologists would love arguing about, you know, which specific type of motor onset was. But there's a, a few key ones that most people should know. One is hyperkinetic, which is just movements all over the place, like just kind of flailing, just no purposeless movements. Um, the other one is myoclonic, which is defined by very brief jerk. Um, so Professor Ingrid Sheffer was recently telling me the way she defines a myoclonic jerk is something that's too fast to fake. And then she often sits there in her clinic rooms with her patient, like just trying to see if she can fake how fast they're doing <laughs> and using it to figure out whether it's myoclonic or not. Hmm. Yeah. She must be a very impressive woman. Um, <laughs> um, and then you've got non... So, I mean, are there any other motor onset ones? You uh, the only one I, I wanted to mention quickly was an automatism, and that's like some... It looks purposeful movement, but when you kind of really look at it carefully, like, why are they doing that? So you might look at their hand and they'll just start fiddling with their shirt and be like, oh, is there something on there? It's like, no, they're still fiddling with that 40 seconds later. Mm. That's an automatism. It can be quite hard to tell. But so does lip smacking count yeah, as an automatism? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah it's yeah. the class one. So yeah. licking your lips. Um, you got to make sure there's no delicious looking pie around. Exactly. That could be the issue. <laughs> that could be the issue. And then the not so those are all the motor onset focal things. So, so well, not all of them, but those are some examples of what you might see in a focal motor onset seizure. Mm. But then you've got the non motor onset stuff. And as I said before, that can be related to a particular emotional response they get prior mm-hmm. to a seizure, a particularly sensory response. So, you know, mm. one of the ones is, you know, I get a strange smell or mm you know, some sort of visual change as well. Hmm. Um, and then other any other classic non-motor stuff that's worth bringing up, Double? No, that sounds good. But I just wanted to make the point when you talk, the key word when you think about this is onset. What an epileptologist want to know is what is the very first thing that they experienced? Because the, the question they think about from the beginning is like, where in the brain is the problem? 
mm. and can we chop it out? There's only one question in urology: where is the lesion? Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and it doesn't matter like if they were myoclonic up, you know, three minutes into it so much. It gets a little bit impo- important when you think about the network safety and as well. Yeah, but the, m- the key thing you got to get out of the history is like what was the onset? What was the very first thing? And it can be really hard to get out of patients. And then a lot of you might be familiar with I don't know, maybe coming through med school now they don't even they learn this the first time. Maybe we're preaching know. to the converted, yeah, but yeah. Um, focal onset can then become focal to bilateral tonic clonic yeah. which previously was called secondarily generalized yeah now importantly they've some groundbreaking research they've managed to find out that the true name mm. the objective name mm-hmm. should be focal to bilateral that's right. tonic clonic yeah, and that's important <laughs> <laughs> and so that that essentially means that the seizure goes to involve both Breaking hemispheres yeah. but yeah. it's still called focal onset mm. all right so then you got the second seizure type of generalized onset um which uh once again we the first thing you think is is it motor or non-motor? So you you would be uh, you might have noticed that the, there's no question about it. was there awareness or impaired awareness because they always have impaired awareness by definition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then you've got your motor onset and your non-motor onset. So the most common tonic, uh, so mo- most common motor onset is tonic clonic. Uh, we can have a long list of other ones which I won't go through all of them, but. Uh, myoclonic is probably worth knowing and atonic where you lose tone is probably worth knowing about a drop well. is that like a drop attack Something like boom. yeah they often have a drop attack when that happens yeah, yeah. yeah yeah and then you've got your non-motor generalized onset which the most common that most people know about is what Rahul absence seizures absence why does everyone say it with a french does this got a french accent on absence absence yeah, yeah it's yeah, not yeah. an absence seizure it's an absence yeah, yeah. <laughs> so brief tangent here and I think I've made this point before but I feel like this is a real area of miscommunication between neurologists and, and the rest of the medical world. Probably the only one. Yeah, I think otherwise we're all on the same level. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what an ED doctor or another doctor will call an absence, they'll often mean focal onset or, or with impaired awareness, or they won't really know, but they won't make that clear. Mm. And they'll call it an absence, and to a, to a neurologist, they're like, okay, this guy's got a... Uh, you know, a, a juvenile myoclonic epilepsy syndrome or something like that. It's like a very specific term, which only uh, is kind of used in very specific situations. So, so what's the most common type of seizure that gets confused for an absence by the lay doctor? Like a, a focal onset seizure with impaired awareness. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, so with like behavioral arrest or something. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll be and is an the only way to really differentiate between those two with an EEG? No, you might be able to tell on history. Like that person may be able to give you some... Uh, an aura that you know they smelt something uh, first okay. and that's no longer an absence localizing symptoms exactly for the right yeah, yeah that would then be a focal seizure with impaired awareness so okay cool. and then you got unknown onset and it's a pretty small category yeah. I guess. Uh, maybe don't worry too much about that for now yeah just put it remember you can put it in an unknown if you don't know mm. alright we're not going to talk about this very much Rahul's already rolling his eyes um, <laughs> head rolling seizure but if you, if you feel like you're an Oliver Sacks type character and you feel restricted by this ILE rigid guidelines, you're actually strongly encouraged to use all those all those old beautiful uh, neurology words to just describe the seizure as well as you can. You know, you can talk about deja vu or jamais vu. You can talk about piloerection. You can talk about pedaling, pelvic thrusting, perseveration. The figure of four position. There's, yeah, don't feel like you have to use one of those words. Like start with that, but then describe it with in as much detail as you possibly can. Mm. All right. So, to prevent your 
epilepsy consultant from having a reflex seizure, there's certain terms that you should you should avoid using. So mm. we've we've already mentioned, but we're just kind of going to hammer it in again. Mm. So now, as I said, the 2017 uh, important work, crucial work done by oh. the League, League Against Epilepsy, big steps for all epilepsy patients out there. They realised that partial seizure was no longer the right word to be causing all these focal, focal seizures. seizures. That's so correct, they're yeah. basically, they're the same. Partial is out. No, no, <laughs> they're not interchangeable terms. Any, anytime you think of the word partial, just say focal. Exactly instead, right, yeah, yeah. You're fine. Um, secondarily generalizes out. Crucially, that is now called a focal onset with uh, what generalized tonic-clonic. Exactly right, uh, good. Big difference. Yeah, and, um, very important. Maybe you can talk about the third point there because the subtleties of that are like, <laughs> doctor like me. So the terms complex and discognitive are out. And then you just, it's simple. You just say focal seizure with impaired awareness. So you used to say complex partial seizure, but it's much more simple now because you say five words instead, which yeah, is a focal seizure with impaired awareness. It describes what the hell it actually is. Like, what the hell is a complex seizure? What's like a... Yeah, complex partial. Yeah, no, you're it's, right. It's, it's stupid. Confused everyone. Yeah. Much, much more than changing the term every few years. And then idiopathic generalized epilepsy is out. So what do we call that now? Uh, really it's, prepare this question. It's called <laughs> genetic generalized epilepsy now. Oh, okay. Is it? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I suppose. Which is interesting. Because um, idiopathic and genetic are not the same. Yeah, they're not the same. But mm. the fact is that all those epilepsies that used to be under idiopathic generalized epilepsy now. are now genetic. And That's it, probably the only actually thing that makes sense out of these reloading. Funnily enough, it's the most controversial one. Really? Yeah. And the reason is because in in some parts of the world, the word genetic is completely taboo. Mm. So if you, like there's... It implies a tainted bloodline. Exactly, yeah. Like some neurologists from these parts of the world uh, were saying, look, if I give my patients this diagnosis of genetic generalized epilepsy, no one in their family is going to be able to get married. Mm. That's important. You know, coming back to those comorbidities and the holistic approach to epilepsy patients. The most important marriage, thing is that we've process. described it accurately. Let's mm. not worry about those things. <laughs> okay. So we're getting to some examples shortly, I promise. Um, so you can apply this one. Stuck through yeah. 20 minutes of... It's been 20 minutes. <laughs> it's been oh 20 God. minutes of epilepsy definition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry. Anyway. So quickly, when is epilepsy considered resolved, Rahul? Uh, so if you've been seizure-free for the last 10 years, and importantly... For five of those last years, you haven't been on any anti-epileptic medication. Yeah, that's one way you can be mm-hmm. resolved. And the second one is if you've got an epilepsy syndrome that only occurs in, in children and you grow out of that age. Probably like, more of a pediatric thing. Than yeah. This, yeah. yeah, well, you have, may, may have some medical student listeners. Mm. Uh, so something like benign Rolandic epilepsy. And then the second definition I want to bring up was um, what counts as drug refractory seizures? So when someone's tried two drugs and that they've been given a good whacking dose for a mm-hmm. good amount of time yeah. and they still fail, what is a good amount of time, Dabo? Is there a strict definition on that? Or I, don't, I don't think so, no. Mm. Um, but you'd probably say a month or so, mm. a few months. And why is it important to put people in this category? I mean, aside from that, I imagine their outcomes are probably poorer. Yeah, well, there's two important things to know about that. One is once you fail two therapies and you're given a proper go, the chances of someone finding some magic combination is like almost zero. Mm. And and that hasn't improved over the last 30 years. So, there was so a, they're always going to be suffering a lot of consequences of their mm. seizures. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the second one is they need to go to an epilepsy specialist um, and they need to be worked up for surgery mm. um, to see if that's a possibility for them. And a, a lot of people aren't getting to epilepsy specialists and a lot of people aren't getting access to surgery. Um, there's a, a lot of un- unidentified cases out there. Mm. 
So it's very important everyone knows that. Okay, there's a brief tangent here on EEG that Rahul wanted to I, talk about. I wanted to force it. Surprisingly, probably like a lot of you listeners, I wasn't thrilled about half an hour of epilepsy <laughs> definition. So I thought we should put something useful in here for you. Now, I think we did cover a bit of this in our seizure podcast, but it was really about what is an EEG good for and how do you interpret the results in very broad strokes. So maybe we'll let you take it away, Mr. <laughs> epilepsy. Can you... What, how do you use how do you use an EEG? An EEG is a really dark art. Yeah. It's like one of the most difficult interpret tests I've come across. Mm. Um, and and there's lots of EEG cases that I've seen where uh, they're particularly difficult cases and you'll get three completely opposing opinions from epileptologists. Like one of them thinks it's a seizure and one of them thinks it's not a seizure. Mm. Which, you know, if you're not familiar with EEG you'd think surely that everyone this can agree on that, right? Test, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the way I think about it, and I'm only local and currently filling in as a neuro reg, so mm-hmm. I don't really know what I'm talking about. But mm. um, the you know you order an EEG. Usually, you don't get the luck of doing it during seizure. If you do, then that's very helpful. But if you're doing it in between or interictally, ictal being episode, if you do it interictally, mm. then there's a chance that it might show some discharges or some abnormalities that would be associated with an underlying seizure disorder. But it's also entirely possible, especially if the focus is deeper in the brain, mm. that it's normal, and that doesn't rule out the fact that uh, the possibility that the person has seizures. So I think one way to think about it in you know uh, epidemiological terms is that it can have a very high positive predictive value but the negative predictive value perhaps isn't so high. I've, I rarely hear people using those terms. Maybe they're too structural and rigid for neurologists, but is that mm-hmm. actually accurate? Yeah, I would say that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So just because uh, you don't have anything on the EEG, certainly doesn't mean you don't have epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this lady was scream, streaming me this week because I had to take her off the roads. And she's like, show me your EEG. Show mm-hmm. me my EEG. Where's the epilepsy? It doesn't work that way. <laughs> I just decide you can't drive and then yeah. leave. <laughs> that's how it works. Anyway, yeah. so I think that's that's helpful to know because you will often order EEGs and you'll yeah, be wondering yeah. what... We've got to know what to tell the patient about the EEG because yeah, I should yeah. end up in that position. All right. Practical part. <laughs> here we are. Let's get really finicky about some definitions That's here. Right. Um, so you're an ED. A 75-year-old lady comes in with a seizure. Her husband describes seeing her right hand shaking for about 20 seconds and then a generalized convulsion. CT brain shows an old left MCA stroke. So Rahul, take me through the five levels of diagnosis. Okay. Is it a seizure? First, is it a seizure? I mean, I would say yes. She's got a typical story um, and she's got an old structural problem, the old stroke in her brain. Um, So I would say yes, it is a seizure. Two, what type of seizure? Is it a focal seizure or is it a generalized seizure? Now, remember, I'm looking for something to localize it Mm -hmm. here that started before the seizure. And her husband described seeing her right hand shaking for 20 Mm -hmm. seconds and then it sort of generalized. So Mm -hmm. I would say this is a focal seizure with... Uh, secondary nope not secondary generalization focal to generalized tonic clonic yeah that would have been the end of my career exactly right and it was motor onset with that right hand shaking yeah 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 Um, and what type of epilepsy is it sounds like well we've only got one seizure but she sounds like she's probably going to have a focal epilepsy because she's got a a structural lesion there, which probably confers a pretty high risk of her having another one, probably yep. over 60% in 10 years. So she doesn't really fit into an epilepsy syndrome. You've already said the etiology, which is structural here. We can see that on the scan. And you need to think about her comorbidities. Um, so in this case, you'd want to particularly think about um, her cognitive stuff that might come from the stroke or from the recurrent seizures. 
but also his kind of stroke risk factor that you should holistically think about. Hypertension, cholesterol, diabetes, and smoking, etc. Case two, 20-year-old lady presents for her EEG. The EEG scientist, by the way, they really hate the term tech. They like the term scientist, which is fair I enough. I have been calling them techs quite They're like times. extremely highly drained, <laughs> like much better reading EEGs than a lot of epileptologists. <laughs> and reasonably, they don't like the term tech. So EEG scientists tech. Um, tell you she has a very active EEG. Um, generalized spike and wave discharges. They capture an absence seizure. You get a history and you discover that she has staring spells as well as morning jerks. She's never had a generalized convulsion, has no family history. So is this is it a seizure? So the tech is... I do it The scientist... It's has told you has seen a seizure mm. and she has and she had an absence in front of her. So yep. is it a seizure? As as sure as you could ever be. Um so is it a generalized or focal seizure? Well it sounds like she's having absence seizures, mm. which we said before mm. are generalized, mm-hmm. a form of generalized mm-hmm. seizures. And then she's also got these sort of morning jerks, which yeah. sound like myoclonic jerks. Well, yeah, which are probably my generalized myoclonic jerks. Mm. Um, so she has generalized epilepsy and which syndrome does she fit into? This is pretty typical for juvenile myoclonic epilepsy. So this is the classic triad. So you get the morning jerks, the absence episodes, and you get these generalized tonic-clonic seizures, which she hasn't had yet, but she'd be at very high and does risk. It normally, I just remember from the exams, it normally starts with the absences, absences when they, or no, it starts with the myoclonus when they're younger and then develops later on into the generalized tonic-clonic. Yeah, typically, typically, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, it's a genetic cause. Mm. And it's one of our new, what we used to call idiopathic generalized epilepsy. It's a genetic generalized epilepsy. And uh, because you're a thorough physician, you do a bit of digging and you find out that she has a long-standing history of low mood that's never been diagnosed or treated. And that's very common in epilepsy patients. Yeah. And uh, and there's a certain medication that's effective in, in um, JME that you wouldn't use here. What's that? Valproate, sodium valproate. That's also true, but that's not what I was getting at. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> so, Kepra, you wouldn't use Kepra because yeah. she has that low mood. You might also not use Valparate because she's, she's a, a female of yeah. childbearing age. And, and Valparate is terrible. It's like you can't do that anymore, like, mm. um, unless you've got. There's no other options, and like, or they're you know they're in a same-sex relationship and no chance of ever conceiving. Mm, mm. You just would never use it. Mm. Yes, yeah. the ramifications are significant. So, Lamot- just as a quick tangent, lamotrigine is what you'd use, but LMT. Yeah, LMG. All right, 50-year-old male woke up in the middle of the night with blood around the mouth and having wet the bed. Nothing like this has happened before. Happens to me almost every (laughs) second night. (laughs) He's been well recently, denies alcohol or drugs, CT brain and basic bloods are all normal. Is it a seizure? What else causes this? Not much. Uh, Friday night activities. (laughs) (laughs) That's still a seizure. Yeah, not much else. It's probably a seizure. Even though no one saw it, there's not many other things that are going to cause those two things. Um, is it focal or generalized? Put it in a box, right? I'll put it in a box so I can uh, treat uh, it. Uh, 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 I'm gonna say I don't know. It's unknown. <laughs> it's unknown. So is it epilepsy? Uh, not yet. Not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Yeah. We can make it epilepsy. We <laughs> could. So I would definitely do an MRI and EEG, and just if it, if it's truly unprovoked, which you know may not be. Patients don't always tell the uh, tell the truth. But if it was, like this guy probably has epilepsy, and we'd push pretty hard. Uh, the, re- the reason those region. things could make it epilepsy again, double like why wouldn't MRI and EEG make this from a single seizure to epilepsy? Because the risk, if you've got a something on your MRI that could cause a seizure, or you've got interictal EEG changes, 
your chances of having another seizure are just as high or higher than someone who's had two seizures. So you're you so looking for some underlying abnormality, which suggests yeah, that they've yeah, got a yeah. really high recurrence risk. So this is a very unknown case. We don't have an etiology, which we need to think about. And um, this guy as well. So we don't really have any comorbidities. We've asked the question, um, but there's nothing really to think about here. Okay, okay good. All right, 25-year-old male presents with a generalized tonic-clonic seizure. Careful questioning of the patient reveals that he didn't quite feel right before the seizure. He had a rising epigastric sensation, deja vu, smell of rotting flesh. Uh, and it turns out that he's had those exact feelings in exact sequence about five times previously, but just hasn't had a seizure afterwards. And then you, you question his partner very carefully who witnessed the seizure and you revealed that he didn't go straight into the generalized tonic-clonic seizure. There was something beforehand. There was behavioral arrest. There was lip smacking. And then pay attention to the sides here. Fidgeting of his left hand, stiffening of his right hand, and head deviation to the left. God, this is so lame. <laughs> I can't believe I agreed to do this. <laughs> Okay, let's go through the levels of diagnosis. Is so, this a seizure? Yes. Well, he presented with a generalized tonic-clonic seizure. Yep. Okay. Is it focal or is it generalized? It sounds focal. He's got some non-motor stuff there, that rising epigastric sensation. Oh, no, no. What's the first question you want to ask? Uh-oh. Focal? Uh, was he aware or non-aware? Yeah. So he probably had impaired awareness. Wait. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, and then, and that was sort of worked out because his partner says that he... Yeah, had behavioral arrest and she tried talking to him during that. He couldn't answer and he doesn't remember Mm. that stuff as well. So probably impaired awareness. And then, so we got a non-motor onset, as we said before, that sensory stuff, all that stuff that happens. And then later on, he seems to have gone into a generalized tonic-clonic seizure. So it's a focal to bilateral tonic-clonic. So focal seizure with impaired awareness, non-motor onset um, with rising epigastric sensation, which then had a focal to bilateral tonic-clonic seizure. So that's how you present it to your epilepsy consultant. So is it epilepsy? It sounds like a focal epilepsy. And it yeah, well, like how, how were you arrived at that conclusion? Well, it had this non-motor onset. So it was sort so of... He's had that five times before. So they, they're not auras that he's had before. They're just seizures. So mm. we call them auras. But... Uh, they're I seizures think it's, that it's a misnomer. To, it's just yeah, a seizure. Yeah. He's, had, he's had six so seizures. Abnormal electrical yeah. activity in that network of neurons, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So it's focal epilepsy. The syndrome, <clears throat> it's probably mesial temporal lobe epilepsy. This is definitely way beyond medical student, probably way beyond BPT level, but there's two types of temporal lobe epilepsy. There's neocortical temporal lobe epilepsy and there's mesial temporal lobe epilepsy. He didn't tell me he was going to say that before the podcast. <laughs> now I look like an idiot. <laughs> um, all right, and then the etiology... It's probably structural. So why, 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 why do I say that? It's pretty classic well, set usually, of symptoms. Usually, yeah, well, and they usually have some sort of, is it calcification? Oh, we really need to practice these questions. Yeah, yeah cortical dysplasia in the temporal lobe, the mesial temporal lobe. <laughs> or old rival. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Like back in the day, we used to like carefully script these questions. And I just <laughs> try it anymore. Um, so hippocampal sclerosis is that's the one. That's, that's what I said. What did you say? That's the mesial temporal lobe, the hippocampus. <laughs> All right. Um, so it's probably hippocampal sclerosis, but we need an MRI to confirm that. And he is, this is also way beyond medical students. And mm, I tried to discourage levels. him from saying uh, that. You know, would this, not there listen. would be some geniuses in listening to this who are like, all right, tell me something I don't know. <laughs> all right, here's something you might not <laughs> now know. Now we're on. And if you do know this, I don't know, do something else with your life. This <laughs> smart for medicine. Um, so what sign is it? What's that? So he's asking so what mesial, side is mesial temporal sclerosis is a left or right? Which temporal lobe is affected? Yeah, yeah. 
So it seems like you know he's got stiffening of the right hand. So there's mm-hmm. an that's that's mm-hmm. tonic activity of mm-hmm. the right hand, which would imply an outflow from the abnormal side on the contralateral side on because the, left, the other yeah. side of the brain controls the other side of the body. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to say that this is a left-sided, yeah, left-sided yeah. seizure. Yeah, exactly. And he has some other lateralizing features as well. So the automatism was in the left hand and that's usually ipsilateral. Um, and the head deviation was to the left as well, which is also usually ipsilateral. By the way, we did prepare that question. I really, I really tried to discourage him from all of this. <laughs> I apologize for everyone who's listening. It's interesting. It's cool. Like if you could tell your epilepsy consultant or any consultant uh, or anyone, any other just any person, just like, like, what are you talking about? <laughs> just tell people on the street um, <laughs> that you think like they told you the story and you showed a video and you know exactly this is a left mesial temporal lobe. Yeah, you know that's cool. I don't know if you've There's given anyone that skill. That. You just told them that, and I, I doubt it's gone through. But anyway, um, okay, comorbidities with temporal lobe epilepsy. Watch out for because it usually affects young people. Watch out for mm. depression, anxiety related to all this stuff, and also language difficulties. Yeah. Why do they get language difficulties? What was it in his left temporal lobe? There you go, it's left side of the brain, speech, exactly, yeah. speech side. All right, we're nearly there. Two more to go. All right, second last case. Twenty-six-year-old lady comes in with wild flailing episodes overnight. She recently began sleeping with a partner for the first time in many years, and uh, that's how it's been picked up. If you dig into the history, uh, you find out that she's been waking up extremely tired with random bruises on her for you know six years now, since the age of twenty. So the partner shows you a video, and you're like, "What the hell is this? Like, this does not look like a seizure." And flailing is a good word for it. It's like she's windmilling her arms, she's bicycling, she's got these strange vocalizations. Mm. So you're like, I have not seen a seizure. Like, this is not a generalized tonic clonic seizure. Mm. Is it a seizure, Rahul? Y- yes. Probably. <laughs> probably. It's probably a frontal lobe seizure. Mm. So, just a brief tangent here. I think we've talked about it before, but frontal lobe seizures uh, look extremely odd. They're called hypermotor or hyperkinetic seizures, and there's just random movements everywhere and they like they really look functional they look like someone's putting on an, an attack mm. um, and people will go years being misdiagnosed and they, they generally occur overnight nocturnal exactly season, right so, yeah. yeah 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 so you, your two differentials here which are unlikely would be parasomnia and function parasomnia being sleep related disorders like hypnagogic and hypnopompic hallucinations and behaviors and things like that right yeah like sleepwalking sleep sleepwalking sleep yeah yeah yeah, like, yeah anyway all right, so is this a focal, generalized, or unknown? So it's like bilateral activity. Mm, but these seizures fall into frontal lobe seizures, which are focal. That's See, I right. prepared to that one. So <laughs> no, that's my, you like that? Yeah. So motor onset hyperkinetic focal seizure. Yeah. Yeah. So as we said, this frontal lobe epilepsy, and definitely don't worry about this, but that kind of particular hypermotor seizure with windmilling and that kind of stuff, that is a frontopolar or orbital frontal regions. Um, but again, do not worry about that. Um, um, an MRI can show structural abnormalities called focal cortical dysplasia, which yeah. is when the cortex just sort of looks a little bit funny on the MRI. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and you could probably fit this. She's got a focal cortical dysplasia, which is both structural and genetic most of the time. So if that etiology yeah, box, yeah. it might be yeah, it might yeah. be in two. All right, and she doesn't have any comorbidities. She's pretty well, but you have thought about it. You're a good doctor. Okay, last one. 25-year-old lady comes into ED with worsening seizures. She's with her parents, and and they say that she's got this severe epilepsy, but we didn't bring our, our medical notes. There's no notes on the file. She's not known to our hospital, and we just don't know what it is, but it's severe epilepsy. So you're like, you don't give up because you're great, and you go back to first principles. You're like, okay, so she, what type of... 
episodes did she have? And you find out that she had staring spells that sound a lot like absence seizures, drop attacks, where she loses all tone, which is that atonic seizure we were talking about before, and generalized tonic-clonic seizures. So she's got multiple seizure types. She also has a severe intellectual disability, and you find out that there was a period of regression. So she was normal until about age five, meeting all the milestones, actually above average, and then she started having seizures, and she went way backwards to the point that she's largely non-verbal now. Um, and then you ask the patients, uh, the parents, if they know what the cause of the epilepsy is, and they say there's something on the MRI. So it sounds like she's got a lesion. And then uh, you get eventually get out of them that the term focal cortical dysplasia sounds familiar. So that's your info. Let's take that through the levels of diagnosis. Is it seizures? Yes. Is it generalized or focal? It's hard to know, but this sounds generalized. The three seizure types that she's described, atonic, absence, generalized tonic-clonic seizures are all generalized. So the atonic part was the drop attacks part where she loses all exactly. the tone probably. And, and yeah. Is it epilepsy? Yes. And then the syndrome because you're brilliant, you eventually suggest to the parents, is it Lennox-Gastaut syndrome? And they're like, yes, that's what it is on the tip of our tongue. Um, and the triad of Lennox-Gastaut syndrome is what, Rahul? Intellectual disability. Uh, they usually have multiple seizure types, which looks like our lady did here. And then they have a particular pattern on their EEG. You oh. don't have that but um, in this case, but it almost certainly fits into it. But they have this slow spike in wave pattern. Don't worry about it. Um, just briefly on Lennox Gastaut, they're almost certainly pharmacoresistant, and um, there's been a bit of a revolution in Lennox Gastaut management over the last 10, 20 years, um, where people have recognised it early and they've looked really hard for a lesion. Um, and if this girl was bought now, they'd probably consider chopping out that focal cortical dysplasia and lose that whole period of regression, lose this epileptic encephalopathy, which is really cool. Make a big difference in people's lives. Yeah. Mm. Um, so just briefly, the cause here is FCD, focal cortical dysplasia, and she has lots of comorbidities. Um, it's it's worth saying that uh, LGS, Lennox-Gastaut patients often have psychosis, um, and you need to have a high degree of suspicion for that because they can't talk to you most of the time. They have severe mm. intellectual disabilities, so you need to look out for patterns like they're picking at things mm. or like hitting things. Non-verbal signs of psychosis. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. We're done. We got there, Rahul. I was very, I was very against this podcast. I want that to go down <laughs> in history. Um, Let it be known. Let it be on the record. <laughs> so some take-home messages. Uh, let's see what you can actually take home from that. Um, so there's multiple ways of being diagnosed with epilepsy that don't include the strict classic lay doctor, two seizures 24 hours apart. You can have just a high enough risk of having another seizure after having your first one that can put you in the epilepsy category. Mm. Yep. There are okay. Uh, there are five levels of diagnosis for a seizure. So, or what, what we would think you should run through, or what the actually, what the International League Against Epilepsy thinks you should run mm. through. So, is it a seizure? Is it a focal seizure in one network of on one side of the brain, or is it generalized? Does it start on both? Is it does it fit a particular type of focal or generalized epilepsy? So, is it a focal motor onset with? myoclonic jerks is it a focal non-motor with a sensory change a smell and then does the epilepsy fit into a typical syndrome like lennox gastaut syndrome or uh, possibly juna myoclonic epilepsy and then what's the etiology for that type of epilepsy and that may or may not include a known syndrome so can you say that it's structural like someone who's had a stroke or is there a genetic component and then lastly what comorbidities does this patient already have and is are they likely to develop that are impinging upon or result from, from their seizures so uh, from their epilepsy so things like psychiatric disorders 
you know, social problems related to driving and their self-image, um, and then other biological problems like intellectual impairments that are associated mm-hmm. with the epilepsy. All right, and uh, the term partial is out. We use focal seizure now. EEGs are not good. The tests that you oh, might sorry. think they are. <laughs> yeah. They're extremely good, extremely cool, extremely useful. But someone could very well have epilepsy with a normal EEG. And uh, frontal lobe seizures know what they are. Um, and a mimic for psychic. You, you look like yeah. a genius if you're the one who picks yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. person's been labelled functional their yeah, whole life? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Thank you very much for your patience. Yes.